Hello and welcome to the Leading Line podcast. Uh, I'm your host Chris. I uh, hope you're doing well. Uh, back once again, forever grinding to get that Scottish women's football content straight into your ears. And with the news that the Scottish women's national team fixtures aren't going to be going ahead in September, um, all attention turns to the WCL return um, this weekend. And to help me break down the impact Scottish players could have this forthcoming season, I'm once again joined by journalist, all-round good egg and duolingo master, uh, Sophie Lawson. Sophie, thank you very much for coming on. Pleasure. Very much appreciated. Um, so I was having a wee think about how we could do this because we could get a little bit scattered scan. And I thought maybe the best thing to do is, fortunately, Scottish players are scattered throughout the, the WSL this season. So I'm going to ask a question about each team uh, with a Scottish slant on it. And Sophie is hopefully going to be able to give me, give me the, the good stuff in terms of what we can expect going forward. So if you are ready to start, Sophie, I will get cracking. I mean, I make no promises, but yeah. <laughs> go, yeah. Cool. Right, I thought I, I thought about doing it in like legal order, but I'm just going to do alphabetical. Let's keep things nice and simple. So we'll start with Arsenal. So Arsenal, um, I have Kim Little, Lisa Evans, and Jen Beattie in the squad, all established members of that Arsenal squad. Uh, Sophie, um, I suppose the, the primary question for Arsenal is: Do you expect them all still to feature regularly this season? Uh, they, they should do. I think we've seen with with um, Montemoro, he does like that slightly smaller squad. And there's definitely room to have all three playing. I think we've, we've seen a little bit with Jen Beattie that she's been a little bit injured. And, it, you know, I think she's she's touch and go with some of that stuff. But the last word from, from Arsenal was, it was looking better than worse, I think. Probably the, 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 the best way of saying that. So they should all be featuring and, and, and all be contributing. You know? Do you think Arsenal, I've heard obviously a lot of talk about the big three this year. And I don't know about what your thoughts are on it, but for me, it feels like Arsenal may be a little bit behind that, that Manchester City and Chelsea battle, which I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit further on. Um, they have obviously added some, some more faces to their squad, but for me, it feels like maybe Arsenal are in danger of maybe just slipping back a little bit from those front two at the moment. Um, I think on paper, it's, it's easy to, to say that, especially with some of the moves Chelsea have been making, um, uh, you know, particularly Chelsea. But I... I... I think Arsenal, it's always what happens on the pitch with them. I know that they're, they've got more of a, a long-term plan of players they want to bring in and they're not going to go mad at any one point and just sign players for the hell of it or, or for, for whatever. I don't think that's really how they want to move forward. But it's all about what happens when they play Chelsea and then when they play Man City because those, I mean, those you can say if you're splitting the, the league up, you're your title deciders, but they're the, the, the matches that we've seen Arsenal sort of struggle to, to impose themselves in. So if they get it wrong in those matches, it doesn't matter what else happens during the season, that is usually the, the, the defining point for them. Yeah, I think in, the, in terms of a Scottish, Scottish lens conversation, I think Arsenal may be the most boring one to talk about at the moment. Um, not, not for any reason other than that the players out there have been there for a long time. Uh, in that regard, and they will still be the regular, uh, regular fixtures on the side. So let's move on from Arsenal, um, and let's talk about Aston Villa. Um, Aston Villa have made one Scottish signing. They have signed Chloe Arthur from Birmingham City. Uh, in terms of Chloe's move, I mean, first, uh, probably there's two parts to this question. First of all, were you surprised by the move from Birmingham to Aston Villa? And then secondary to that, how do you see her fitting in? I mean, for me, her best position is in that midfield role in front of the defence, but I've heard a couple of people suggesting that she could drop back. What, what's your thoughts on the move and, and then how she 
will be going forward for Villa? Um, I think it was <clears throat> maybe not the most expected move, but it, it feels sort of uh, well within her, her her wheelhouse. It it wasn't it wasn't a move up, it wasn't really a move down. It was kind of keeping parity. And I, I've seen Chloe Arthur in defence. I think I think she played in defence for Scotland. You'll you'll be able to correct me if this is wrong. I think against Canada and gave away a penalty. Uh, sounds sounds vaguely right. Yeah. Um, I, I don't she doesn't really look like a defender to me um i think if you absolutely have to put someone in defense and it's sort of you know raise your hand if you want to go in type of thing rather than oh yeah no she's she's made for that role i think she she is much better in in midfield and if you go back to uh say her bristol days uh she she really and i know she was in, in the second tier at the time, but she was really sort of lighting things up for, for Bristol, and she's really a good attacking outlet for them. If, if she can kind of get back to that for Aston Villa, and, and you know, it looks like Aston Villa are going to try and play on the front foot, try and play more possession and, and pressing, it's that she could be quite important for them moving forward. But if she's in the defence, I, I, I don't know, we'll have to see. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing for me, I think you're right in saying for me, it felt like a bit of a sideways because if I remember rightly, the announcement was that she was leaving Birmingham City um, or I got wind of it, so in fact she was leaving Birmingham City mm. and my immediate thought was, oh, maybe she's going to take a wee step up. Like, nothing, not not to the Manchester City level, but certainly like maybe a little bit further up the table. So I was a little bit surprised when she kind of made that sideways move um, as well, but it does seem like Aston Villa have kind of got a bit of a focus on the women's football project at the moment. Um so certainly just do you think she she'll be one of the key players in that Aston Villa team going forward this season? I think it, it's it's hard to get a read on them right now. Um because we haven't seen them. Um and it, they've obviously recruited quite quite a lot and, and, and with with a good degree of uh, diversity in, in where they've gotten players from. I think it's it's they look more of a squad that everyone will be playing a part rather than you expect that one player to really excel or or, or not. Uh, it, but you know she she's got experience in the league, you know. So she she then sort of becomes much like a little bit more one of the senior players as well, which I'm sure will all help with the with the transition. Yeah, I, I'm interested to see what she she's rated quite well in terms of her passing statistics and can breaking up play last season um, for Birmingham City. So it'd be interesting to see if that's something that she continues to do or whether, as you suggest, she maybe starts pushing back forward a little bit more because I think there's definitely potential for that there. I think you're absolutely right to say that. And speaking of Birmingham City, let's move on to the next one, which is Birmingham City. Um, and I suppose the big question, there's two questions for me for Birmingham. So the first one I'll ask you is, how important are the signings of Rachel Corsi on loan from Utah Royals until March and Christy Murray in terms of adding experience to a Birmingham City squad that is still kind of taking shape at the moment, at the time of recording? Um... I think they're, they're 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 vastly important in terms of bringing in experience, seniority, and and helping to to make that that team sort of more cohesive and more settled. Because so there are a lot of young players there. Um, yeah, it, it, as you say, they're they're still sort of taking shape, and and it it doesn't feel like it was that long ago that that Carla Ward was was announced. Um, it's it's a, it's a bit of a strange one um, when you look at you know I think they're gonna be moving away from the Birmingham City people are used to with, with Carla Ward. So the, the, the onus kind of goes away from the defence and, and into sort of more what they can do in attack, which is where you'd kind of want to see Christy Murray, 
propping up and helping stuff move along. Um, yeah, I, but I, I think, I, and this again, you you might you might disagree with this, but having watched Rachel Corsi um, at, at Utah and at, at the World Cup, it doesn't look like she's quite been at her best for for quite a while now. Um, and it'd be interesting to see if she can kind of resettle into into more of a, a steady role in, in the defence with, with Birmingham, or if she she's still a bit a little bit frantic and up and down. I, th I think that's a, a fair comment. I think um, I, I'm guessing one of the reasons for bringing her into Birmingham is obviously Karis Harrop has left, um, and that brings that experience into the back line. But I think, yeah, there has been times, and I, I know I've had a couple of conversations about kind of Scotland going forward, and there'll be other players that we probably talk about later that mm. I've definitely made a case for, for more game time with Scotland. In terms of Abby Grant, obviously she had her, her debut season with Birmingham last season, had the best numbers. People love numbers. She had the best numbers in terms of goals and assists um, for Birmingham. It was a squad that didn't produce a lot. Do you think she's going to be the kind of key fulcrum for them this season? Again, with the caveat that the squad is still taking shape at the moment. I, I think she, she did a really good job uh, last season, especially, you know, there's there's a lot that's kind of been muttered or been said about Birmingham last season. And she was one of the more cons consistent players um, in, in the outfield and, and, and was... Having she, she did have good contribution, contributions and, and good numbers. If she can keep that consistency going through, again, there's there's, there's no reason she can't sort of just build on that with with the, with the new look squad. Of the two Birmingham sides, so Aston Villa newly promoted from the Championship this season, and Birmingham City um, stayed safe last season. Do, do you see one of them doing better than the other, or do you think they're both going to be round about each other come kind of season end time? Oh, I, I'm just going to upset a lot of a lot of Brummies if I if I put an opinion. <laughs> uh, I I think maybe be, with everything that's happening, which is sort of tough to to to, to break down in a football sense when you've got a pandemic as well. Yeah. But everything that's happening happening in terms of football, I think it looks like Aston Villa might be on a little firm footing and just have a little bit more awareness of of who they are and what they want to do than, than Birmingham right now. And they seem to have recruited quite well just overall. Um, so I think even though they're, they're new to the league and it's, it is sort of first time for almost everyone, in theory, it looks like they'll, that, that they might have a, a stronger season. But I, I'm more than happy to be completely wrong about that as well. No, I, I think that's fair. I think, for me, like, as you say, Aston Villa seem to have been putting things in place for a wee while, whereas with Birmingham, you mentioned, obviously, appointing Carla Ward, which I think could be a really good appointment. She did really well at Sheffield United, of course, so I take them to second last season, but it still feels a little bit scrambly at the moment with Birmingham City, just just because of the, kind of, it felt like there was a bit of a delay in terms of getting from the, the minute where Matha Tarada left and getting the, the new manager in, but yeah, I, I, I always say with predictions, Sophie, that as soon as I make them, I'm very willing to be proven wrong. Um, yeah. And I think it's something we've probably both been burnt on in the past, so I wouldn't worry about it either way. <laughs> um, uh, let's move on to Brighton. Well, I say we could move on to Brighton, but they are currently the only side in the WSL without any Scottish players on the team, so can't talk about you. Um, we'll just move on <laughs> from them. <laughs> um, and let's go to Bristol City. Um, I suppose the, the big question for me, and I'm keen to see what your take on, take on it is as a player as well, is, how big a boost will the return to fitness of Abby Harrison potentially be to Bristol City? She 
she kind of felt like she was going to start to get going last season, then she also had that ACL injury. Um, Bristol City, again, traditionally in the bottom half of the table, what, what kind of uh, benefits will her return bring to the side? I, I, I thought she, she started the season really well last year. Um, and she looked like she, she just adjusted to, to the move uh, to WSL really well. Um, and the injury was, was uh, incredibly unfortunate. But uh, I, I think from reading a recent interview with her as well, she, she says that, you know, she, she's a lot mentally stronger. She's been going to the gym more. It's, it's for as terrible as the injury was, it has made her a, a, a better footballer. It's made her, sort of, you know, sort of better in her own head about a lot of things. So I think it, it seems like she's really going to go out uh, and, and attack the season. And if she can start to kind of translate over sort of the form she had when she was at, Hips, right? I think it, it's, yes. she's from Hips. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. If she can translate that form over for, for Bristol in, in sort of in any degree, as, as you say, that Bristol aren't, aren't the biggest, strongest team, and they usually are around the bottom half. You know, if 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 they can get just as a team, if they can get that balance right, I think she, she'll be a, a big sort of a, a attacking threat for them. And, and you know, it's you know. One goal can change a game, and if you're fighting for relegation, you're fighting not to, to to be around that area. I think she's sort of the type of player you want who can pop up, score you a goal, and, and change a match. Yeah, I mean, I I, I was particularly disappointed because I think you're right. I think she started last season really well. Um, she was uh, a frightening prospect in Scotland. If, I, if I'm being totally honest, Sophie, you could see that she was going to make the move sooner or later. Um, she had a, a better than goal game scoring record and things like that. And I was really disappointed for her that that injury came as it did because I think she had just scored her first goal as well by that point as well. Um, but the interview was very heartening to see. I know that she's also talked about how much support she's got from the club. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to see Abby kind of get a run at it. And I think up top for Scotland, there's lots of options, but I think they're very much a kind of all at the same level. And if somebody can really push on at the moment to that next level, I think Abby could be one of the people to do it. But hopefully, it's also about staying fit and, and kind of getting game time first of all in that respect. Um, let's move from Bristol and back to London. Oh boy, right. So Chelsea. Um, we, we've done it. <laughs> um, so there's currently two Scottish players at Chelsea. We'll speak at the rhythm in separate um, separate sections because I think it's. I think there's two different stories at play here. So Chelsea have obviously, at the moment, just been signing any attacker that they can. So, I mean, just looking at what's in their squad at the moment, you've got Beth England top goal scorer last season for them. Um, G, um, Gura Wrighton, Fran Kirby's now back into the frame as well. Sam Kerr, who, despite missing a couple of sitters in the Community Shield, is still that phenomenal goal scorer. Um, and then Pernille Harder as well has come in. Um, I mean, before we speak about the Scottish players, that in itself, as a, a lineup of potential players, is quite formidable looking. Yeah, I think the only the only problem Chelsea have is they probably can't start ten attackers each match. Um, yeah, there. I think it's it's going to be it's going to be tough for a lot of teams playing them. Um, even if anyone is is, is missing sitters, it's it's there's always someone there to. <laughs> to score for them, and it's I think the the big problem uh, the problem the big ask for, for for Chelsea and Emma Hayes is is that squad rotation and keeping everyone happy because she has a, a lot of options and it's you know it's, it's just how you balance everyone out. 
Yeah, and, and one of those options that we haven't talked about yet is Erin Cuthbert. Um, mm. Now, she came on as a substitute, scored the second goal. It took it really well. She didn't, she didn't have a lot to do for it, but she showed the composure to very, very nicely put it away in the Community Shield. She's very much in that mix of players. Um, but as you say, it's, it's that kind of squad rotation part of it. And do you think there is set teams maybe set out for Chelsea in terms of the WSL and maybe the Conti Cup and the FA Cup? And then obviously they're looking ahead to, to Europe as well. Um, do you think that's something that you, we might see with Chelsea, Chelsea in terms of that, that squad? And as you say, balancing having lots of attackers and you know enough defenders to, to keep things yeah. okay while we attack. Um, I, I think that's something that, that, that Emma has done in the past, especially for sort of Conti Cup games. Is she's she's rotated, she's brought in younger players, she's done this, that, and the other uh, to to try and make sure that you know not just that everyone's getting minutes, but then her I don't want to say go-to players, but maybe those the, the headline players aren't getting exhausted and and, and and getting plenty of rest as well. So there is there is the potential with all the competitions especially because we've got the FA Cup and also the FA Cup <laughs> in one season to come, um, as well as the continent, the league and in Europe. Um, so I think there's, there's plenty of chances for, for, for everyone. And the, the, the problem uh, I, I see with, with a player like Cuthbert is I don't think if you're really, really saying, right, what is the very, very best 11 we can put out? I think for a lot of people, she, she misses out because yeah. there's there's too many people in front of her. Whereas, you know, if you've seen her play in WSL, if you've seen her play for Scotland, I think she's got the argument of being one of the better players in the league. Or, you know, when we were talking about Team GB, and, oh, well, if you have to take one Scottish player, if you have to take one, for me, it was always going to be Cuthbert because of the form mm. she was in. But then we had a pandemic, and it doesn't matter. <laughs> she's that's, she's that's certainly that's... got... You know, I think the other thing with her, and when I was kind of looking at the end of the season statistics, one of the things I noticed was that in the big games, Emma Hayes was using her, but she was using her more as the kind of the midfield harrier. So she wasn't doing yeah. as much going forward, but she was doing that kind of backtrack. And I, I suppose that was one of my, my leading questions to one of the things you've just said is, do you think Erin is a player that Emma Hayes has in her mind in terms of when she thinks about her big hitter when it comes to those big games? I'm I'm not sure, and uh, I mean you're, you're you know we're, we're talking now. This is the day after they've just announced uh, the signing of Harder, <laughs> and it's it's just such a sort of strange thing when you look at the fact that Chelsea sort of have that potential front three of of Harder, England, and Kerr. It's it's so hard for any player anywhere in the world to make a case for 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 getting into that front three. So then you start to look at well, could you put Cuthbert? Uh, out in midfield, right? You've got G's probably going to be starting. They should probably have a defensive mid, you know. So you've got, you know, an Ingle or a Fleming, and it just it becomes really tough to try to work out who that that favoured eleven might be or how much rotation we'll see. But with how Cuthbert's been used, she, she can she can certainly play a little deeper and and give herself more chances of of game time, definitely. Speaking of the other squad, this, this squad um, at Chelsea, and I think we spoke about our last time we were speaking about the WSL, and actually Emily Napier, who obviously transferred down from Hibs uh, back in January, January December time. Um, what what do all these signings mean for her? Because at the moment, I think last season she was getting a little bit of game time. Obviously, she needs to acclimatise. It's a big jump up from from Hibs to, to Chelsea. 
But I know it's obviously in the Community Shield squad. She wasn't even listed anywhere. And as, as somebody who is obviously looking at things through a Scottish lens, um, I'm a little bit concerned that she might, she, she is going to get lost in that shuffle, I think, at the moment. And whether you think she'll stay at Chelsea because Emma Hayes will want to develop her there, or do you think maybe a move somewhere on loan to get game time will, will happen for her? Well, can she play in goal? I think that's the first. No, um... <laughs> I mean, she, to be honest with you, Sophie, she played everywhere else for Hibs um, yeah. during, during her time up here, so it is possible. You never know. Um, I, again, sort of just based on, on, on Hayes' history, she isn't afraid to send players out on loan. I think we saw it quite notably with, with Beth England. And that certainly didn't help, uh, didn't hurt uh, Beth England. So I, th- I think when you're looking at that squad, it does look like Napier might struggle to even get on the bench right now. So that the option of sending her out on a loan and, uh, is, is certainly possible. I, 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 I generally don't keep an ear in transfer deals. Um, if I'm being honest, I find them kind of boring actually. So I, I, I don't sort of go, go sort of poking and pushing and, and, and whatnot. So if, I, if I'm saying, oh, it'd be good for us to go out on loan, I honestly have no idea yeah. if there's one in the works or not. <laughs> Again, I don't need angry people in my DMs. Um, but I, I think just to get used to the league, it would probably be really beneficial for her if she did go out on loan. And then, you know, it, it doesn't hurt Chelsea if she's helping another team to beat Chelsea's potential rivals as well. So. Yeah. But it's 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 a really tough one for for, for her and, and, and quite a few players. I think if you look at Neve Charles as well, mm-hmm. who again not not Scottish, so I know. No, no, no. Yeah. Well, you know, is she going to get game time? Is she better off going out on loan? What's going to happen? And I think it's more a time will tell type of thing. But um, definitely for for Jamie Leaf, uh, alone doesn't seem like a bad idea. I, I think I think for me when the the transfer happened to Chelsea. I was a bit taken aback that it was Chelsea. Um, I knew that she was going to be going down south, and I think I had something up, up, a bit more mid-table in my head. Um, but yeah, hopefully that will move. I think will be official. I'm the same as you in terms of transfers. I like knowing about them, but I'm not that bothered about going pestering people to find out what's happening next. Um, so yeah, we'll see what happens with that one. Um, let's move from Chelsea to Everton. Um, Everton captain by Lucy Graham, Scottish midfielder, mm-hmm. coming into the international reckoning. Um, obviously, Scotland's midfield is very strong, but I think Lucy's definitely got a spot in there. But they've also brought in Claire Emsley on loan from Orlando Pride, sneak that one in. I think that's been a bit under the radar when you look at all the other transfers that have happened, and obviously managed by Willie Kirk, a, a Scott. He's said that his ambition is Champions League football. Now, whether that's this season or not, I don't know. So my question for you is, how close could they get to that, that top end of the table this season? And how important do you think uh, Lucy and obviously Claire Welsh's here will, will be for, for Willie Kirk in that regard? I think when you look at the league as it is and you try and get a, a handle on it, Champions League, a little bit tricky, uh, a little bit tough. It will open up to um, three WSL teams uh, before too long, but then you're still, you're still always going to be thinking Arsenal, Chelsea, Man City, and it might require more of a slip up from one than... Uh, a, a rolloping run from from someone else, but Everton have been quite. They've been very good about the signings they've made. Um, not just not just Emsley. They they have just sort of strengthened really well, um, which is sort of a, sort of a mark of a, a Willie Kirk team as he likes to to phase players in and, and and make a team his own. And you can really see that they have changed a lot from 
from the team they were under Andy Spence when 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 uh, Kirk first came in. But I think it will take it will take time, and there will be missteps along the way. I think there's there always are with, with teams, but you know they're they're doing a lot of good things, and there's there's a lot of good feeling coming out as well. And and as you say, you know Lucy Graham captaining the team, she she's done a fantastic job uh, in her first season as captain, and you know if, if she can kind of keep stuff moving forward and and, and keep everything sure in, in midfield, that's that's definitely going to help for them. And um, I think Emsley, Emsley's time uh, at Bristol uh, under Kirk as well. She she was fantastic, and maybe she wasn't. She was the type of player that you weren't necessarily aware of for ninety minutes, but when you were aware of her, it was because she was doing something very good. I, so I, yeah, I think that's I think that's a good point. Whereas I think at Man City we saw her more off the bench. Uh, for the pride and when in her uh, alone to, to Australia, I think a bit hit and miss sometimes. Mm-hmm. And it becomes that she's then that impact player for the bench. If Kirk can kind of get her back to, to starting and, and, and really keeping stuff ticking over and, and moving forward from the off, then I, we might start to see some of her, her better form coming out again. And, and you know, they, they do have quite a strong history uh, to, together as, as manager and player. So it's, I think it's only a good thing for Everton. Yeah, I think I think you're right in that regard in terms of the history between uh, between Willie and Claire. And I think you're yeah, right. I think sometimes it does feel like even in a, even in a Scotland shirt, she's obviously one of Scotland's kind of standout players a lot of the time. But you're right. Sometimes it can be a bit fleeting. Um, so yeah, I think this is this is a good move, and hopefully it kind of brings her on even further because there's definitely a player that can cause any team um, trouble on her base. Mm-hmm. So I think that's. That's definitely a good move, and yeah, I've got a bit of a soft spot for everyone. Don't don't really know why, but I do. Um, so yeah, I, I'm very keen to see how that that progresses for them this season. And obviously, I think big thing for them, Sophie, and for a couple of other clubs this season is, I think specifically for everyone, is that moving away from from Southport and getting back into the city. Yeah. Um, they'll be looking to obviously build build their crowd because if I remember rightly, they last season were traditionally at the bottom end of that that kind of crowd attendance figures, and that's something they'll be looking to build on. Yeah, the, I think both uh, Merseyside teams have have struggled quite quite a bit over the years in terms of getting numbers through the door. But they, but Everton were particularly hopeful of kind of boosting their their own profile in the community and, and getting more numbers in, which hopefully will, will will happen and 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 they'll kind of sort of reintegrate more and 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 kind of bring in more either more neutral fans or more fans from the men's side because they do have quite a good strong relationship now with with the you know the the, the men's side of, of of the club as well so hopefully positive things moving forward yeah absolutely um let's move to another side that have a strong link to the men's team which is manchester city um another team that have been dropping some dimes on players um they have had sam Lewis and roosevelt to come in to just name a couple uh, but the player that we're most interested in is Caroline Weir. Now, she played every minute of every game last season in WSL before the big situation happened. Um, will she do that again this year? Um, or do you think she's going to have a battle for, for, for first team for first team games this season? Oh, I don't think she's going to have a battle at all. Uh, I, I don't know if she'll play every minute. Uh, I think that was kind of... Nick Cushing generally liked to, 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 um, to have 11 players and not really do a huge amount with his bench. I think we've, we saw that for a few years. Um, whereas new manager now um, might, might approach things differently in terms of rotation, utilisation of bench and yada yada. 
uh, so she might get arrested now and then, which wouldn't hurt. But I, I think she's always she's always going to be a starter. It's just it's just a balance of, of where she ends up playing. Uh, and again, City always end up with an injury or two somewhere along the lines. And you think players who will get arrested or who 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 won't will or vice versa. Whereas one injury comes in and then suddenly everyone's playing every game and every minute. I think Weir is is quite a, a firm part of the city's plans. And, you know, the, the players coming over from NWSL, they're not, it doesn't, it's, it doesn't feel like this is, this is a seismic change. And mm. now we're going to see loads of players flocking over. It seems like it's a season they can play and get ready for the Olympics they'll leave again and then City will revert to not having them and whoever will revert to not having them. So I think whereas you look at someone like uh, Weir, where she's long-term City plans, key player, we'll, 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 if, she's, if she's there, she'll, she'll keep producing the goods. Yeah, I think for me, I think I had a conversation on the Wonderful World of Twitter about Caroline Weir and um, where I thought she was starting. I think in my head she starts. Um, I think... The impact she had last season, not just in terms of playing every minute, um, but she obviously contributes goals. I think she can set the tempo from deep, which I, I can't. I can't decide whether from deep is the best place. I think it probably is because she's quite confident with going forward with the ball. But for me, yeah, I think I think Caroline doesn't have any concerns about getting in, getting into that team. Um, it's just I think it'll be another challenge for her in terms of the players around about her. Um, certainly, certainly a level. A level up to have that kind of competition, which would be good to see. Um, let's move to the other side of Manchester. Well, we aren't the other side of Manchester. Well, let's go to Lee, which isn't really Manchester, but it's where Manchester United play at the moment. Um, they've got three Scots in their squad, Kirsty Hansen, Jane Ross and Kirsty Smith. Out of the three, which one do you think is going to get the most game time this season? Ooh, um, <laughs> there, there are some quite quite heavy r- rumours about a couple of players coming to Man United. Yes. Although as, as, right now there are any rumours. <laughs> um, those rumours, uh, let's, let's let's just say it. Those rumours are Tobin Heath and Christine Press. So again, yes, NWSL, um, I'm very much elite to your players, but um, at the moment not happened as we record this. Um, and I think you're, you, I, I maybe Jane Ross's mum uh, would. Would start her over Kristen Press. I think not many other people around about would, uh, which is not a slight on Jane Ross. It's just Kristen Press is is one of the the, the best uh, attackers in, in the world, kind of hands down. You can't go. Um, so I, I I think Ross could could struggle for for minutes, and she wasn't necessarily looking to be the the go to last season either. With with Lauren James getting more minutes as well there. Whereas I think a player like uh, I think I might even have mentioned her last time I was on. A player like Hanson yeah. just has so much potential, and it's she's clearly got a high ceiling. Um, and I think if if she can keep getting minutes and actually starting more than being subbed on, I think you can read you'd you'd really start to see her kick on and progress as a player, and then start really asking questions about becoming a feature in, in, in the Scotland senior team as well because I think she she's she, she's got all the tools at her, her disposal. No I agree I think Kirsty Hansen's a really exciting prospect it was kind of a, a breakout season for her in terms of throwing wider consciousness certainly in Scotland um, about her abilities but she's very direct she's quite happy to run at people she'll put balls in she's also quite good at coming in the back post as well um, which I think she did a couple of times for Man United last season. 
Um, what about Kirsty Smith? She kind of came into the team towards the back end of last season. I know this was a kind of couple of injury issues, but there's been a couple of players brought in into kind of her area of the park. Um, Lizzie Arnott's obviously left to sign for Rangers. Um, she she didn't really get a look in last season, to be uh, unfortunately. Um, do you think Kirsty's still going to be one of the players that Casey will call on when needed? I, I'm not sure what what Casey's plans are in in in, in you know sort of out wide in, in, in the fence but having having a Smith there it will always give her an option and and she you know considering that she's quite settled in the team as well I think that that's always going to work in her favour I think we're, we're probably just going to see more rotation out in in, uh, in the fullback roles more than anything because because um Stoney can if she wants to um and I know she's she's very keen on uh, rewarding performances on the pitch and, and in training as well so if if Smith is given a chance and delivers, then she might be locking down the spot. But again, you know, it's, <laughs> who knows what goes on in the manager's head? But yeah, and I think the interesting thing from a Scotland national team perspective, I think both those fullback slots always feel like they're a little bit up in the air in terms of who is the number one. I think Arthur Smith kind of had a decent run at it in the the Pinatar Cup before. Well, Scotland winning that, and then we all came home and didn't play football again for six months. Um, but yeah, I think I think it'd be. I would like to see Kirsty Smith continue to get that run because I think she she definitely has the ability to certainly in the international level. Hopefully, hold down that spot. Um, speaking of fullbacks, let's go to Redden. Uh, Redden, who have been signing some some players of their own. I've suggest Fishlock's come in from the states on loan, but the one we're interested in is Emma Mitchell. Um, bit of a disjointed. 1920 season, she obviously started at Arsenal. Wasn't really getting a look in when maybe Arsenal could have done with playing a left back. Um, mm. uh, but she then went on to went on with Tottenham. I thought she had a pretty good spell there. Well, what do what do you make of the move for Emma in terms of this? Is it a case of this is a good move for her because it, it should mean some regular game time and hopefully something a bit more settled this season? Yeah, exactly that. I think um, <laughs> I think a lot of uh, Arsenal fans as well would be happy that she didn't sign. A full-time deal uh, with Spurs, um, but uh, yeah, I think she's, I think she's a really good signing for for Reading as well because she's she's so so well used to the league, kind of comes in with with so much experience. Whereas some of the other moves Reading have have made over the last few years, if we're being honest, have been sort of a, a mishmash of players who who then take time to sell. Whereas I think with with Mitch coming in, Reading know what they're getting, um, and she can be more of a senior player in that team and, and she'll get game time if she if she stays fit uh, and hopefully it will all kind of, if she's playing, she'll be playing well and she'll be happy and, and that will all feed in and, and she'll make her the, the, the best player she can be because she's still got quite quite a lot to give and hopefully, hopefully she'll, she'll, she'll be quite quite regular for Reading. Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose that when I was looking at it last year, I probably ranked her as kind of in the, in the position she plays in one of the best in the league. So I, I know I mentioned the Arsenal. I did wonder if maybe Tottenham would take up the option to try and get her in full time, but maybe there was that. That was like, it was okay for a, for a wee spell, but I probably shouldn't do it permanently. Um, but Reading, I think, is quite a good fit for her. And I think Reading are one of the teams that are in that middle pack that you're not quite sure what's going to happen until the season kind of gets underway in that section of the park. But yeah, I just really hope she gets some regular game time. I think she's probably Scotland's first choice left back when everybody's fit. Um, so hopefully that, that's a run of form that she can continue uh, this season. Um, let's go to Tottenham. We've got two more left to go. We've done quite well so far. Um, Tottenham, um, and probably for me, one of the standouts, uh, kind of pleasant surprises for last season, 
uh, was the emergence of Hannah Godfrey at Tottenham. Now I know she won their Player of the Season um, last year at Spurs. How far do you think Hannah can go? Um, do you think she can push on a, a level higher than Spurs in terms of that kind of top echelon? Because I've been really impressed with her uh, whenever I've seen her. And her kind of numbers as well, which everybody loves about numbers. Her numbers kind of back up that, up, that kind of impression that I've got of her so far. Yeah, I, I mean, I thought she had she had a brilliant first season. Um, it's, it's a few months ago, but I'm pretty sure I put her in my team of the season somewhere along the way. Um, uh, and, and everyone was sort of, oh, you've got to look at that. And she, she had a, a really um, a, a really good uh, season and a really good uh, debut as well uh, for, for Scotland. I, I, I don't know. And it also the question of whether she can kick on and is can Spurs kick on and, 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 and raise up the table and and do this and that. I think, you, as, as you, so you mentioned earlier, Scotland do have options at centre-back. And, and the way she, she played last season, she, she more than made a case for herself to start. And then you start thinking, well, how, how are we setting up Scotland? You know, is, is this a player who's going to move on? What are we doing here? But she, um, yeah, I think she can go higher than Spurs if we're looking at the standings last season. But it's, I think it's a good place for her to, to sort of start out in, in, in pro football and, and sort of go on from there. But she's very, very calm, very sort of resolute in, in what she does on the pitch as well, which, which isn't always a given for a centre-back. But, um, yeah, I, I think especially if, say, BT does have any, any injuries or, 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 or whatever moving forward, she does seem to be the, the, the go-to for, for Scotland and, and if she can keep up the, the consistency, looks to be for, for quite a long time. But yeah, no, very, very impressive. And I think I'd say largely underrated for what she did last season as well. No, I, I think I agree with that. Um, I think Jen Beattie and Rachel Corsi are the, the preferred centre-back pairing at the moment. But I think Hannah Godfrey is making a strong case. And if she starts this season the way that she went through the last season, then come October time, fingers crossed Scotland actually play in October, um, I think she'll definitely be in contention from that spot and whether that results in adjustments we'll see but I, I think this formation for Scotland settled just now so I think she's a good she's a good player to have I think you mentioned it earlier with Rachel Corson maybe not being quite at the level she has been in the past mm-hmm. and with Jane's injuries it's good to have a player now who definitely feels like she's there to push other players on and um, I remember when I spoke to her for the podcast she was talking about how it all happened so quickly and I think that wouldn't have happened if Shelley Kerr didn't believe that she had the ability to go really far. Um, so, yeah, be interested to see how she does. Um, I think she'll be one of Tottenham's key players. I, I don't know how Tottenham will do this season, if, if I'm being honest. They obviously had a good debut, but we'll see what happens. Uh, and the last team, West Ham United, um, they have got another one of the kind of Scots who have kind of been in America and then come over to the WSL and, and kind of done well. Martha's obviously come via, via France. But uh, Martha Thomas, she scored four goals last season for West Ham. Will she better that tally this season, Sophie? Yes. Yes. If she if she doesn't <laughs> get injured, yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, no, I'm um, really really good player. Just blighted by injuries uh, last season, which kind of gave her a lot of sort of stop and start. And it, the, the entire West Ham team, everyone seemed to have a knock at some point or another, which sort of ruined a lot of the momentum. But uh, she she's um she she's a great player, and as you know, so we're talking about. Who's who's locking down starts and positions for, for for Scotland? I think if you're depending what formation you play, I think 
Shelley Kerr's always got to be thinking, right, Martha's going to start because she just has so much potential and, and again is so happy to, to run at defences and, and is, 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 is pretty useful with the ball in front of goal. But um, I think she'll be a big part of, of what West Ham do this year as well. Yeah, I was I was really impressed with her last season, and you're right. I think when she made her Scotland debut, the score of her debut, the way she took it was really calm and composed. And yeah, I, I, when I watch Martha Thomas play, I get that kind of feeling that you know what, this could be somebody for Scotland that could be really good in the next few years. And as I said, I think that front spot, especially given the conversation we had the other on about Jane Ross and how I think she will take a step back from Man United a, a little bit more this season compared to last season. I think that, that starting spot up top will be a really keenly contested one. Um, and I think Martha, I think you're right to say Martha's maybe in full position for it at the moment, um, just based on what's happened recently and, and kind of how how things transpired before the big big break. Um, speaking about the league in general, let's let's have a little bit of chat about that as well, Sophie, before we kind of wrap things up. Um, there's been, I think it's probably fair to say, there's been heightened coverage. I know me and you have opinions about how coverage works in women's football um, but how, yeah. how do you feel going into the start of the WSL season this weekend? Um, it's, it's weird that there's football happening I think that's my my, my first my, my first thought and it, it feels like it's, it's, it's crept up um, I think yeah no there's, there's there's a lot of coverage of it and uh and uh, the FA have just announced uh, some new broadcast deals as well a new broadcast partner so it'll be on in um, US, Italy, and Germany. Yes. Uh, which is it? it it's I, I've thought you know for for quite a long time that that the push from the FA was kind of to make the the WSL a parallel league to to the Premier League. And with more and more money coming in and more teams investing and and these more more broadcast deals like this, it does feel like we're we're kind of just aping. Uh, the, the men, which maybe not the best thing, but mm. not the worst as well. Um, yeah, I, 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 I don't know. It feels like the the league is is definitely growing and 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 starting to 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 move on its own. But I think it's 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 losing a bit of of something as well as we go. I I I tend to agree. I think that there's probably two things. I think the the arrival of the NWCL players is big, but the way that they're coming across makes it feel like a bit of a transient league, almost kind of like the W League in Australia a little bit at, at this yeah. moment in time, in terms of these players are coming over, but Engel is most likely going to go back to the States within a year, maybe longer. Yeah. But it seems to be a year. Um, and I think you're right. I think it's a conversation I have a lot about football, women's football in Scotland is, it's good to take positives from the men's game, but I think it's important they stand alone as two separate things. Um, and there does seem to be a, a little bit of that, but I think that's good as well because it helps grow it. I, I don't know about you, but I think the other thing that will be interesting for me with all these new names that have arrived, it is particularly unfortunate that fans can't get into grounds at the moment because mm-hmm. these names are all coming in, but I think it's probably fair to say that the attendances in the WSL I think get bigged up a little bit too much. Um, I think that obviously the big marquee games are great in terms of they get lots of fans in the stadium, but then I think they're used to kind of fluff the numbers a little bit. Um, do you think that this influx, when fans can come back in, do you think this influx of like these kind of top talents, which are big names in women's football, but I think it's probably fair to say why the context 
maybe still aren't the names that somebody who has a past interest in football won't necessarily know about. Do you think that would see a, a growth in fans, or do you think it's still more about the clubs doing the kind of grassroots stuff first? I think it's it's more about the clubs. What we saw um, in in America for for NWSL after they won the World Cup, there was there was a massive influx uh, after they won the World Cup last year, not 2015. That never really they didn't quite have the uptake they wanted. Whereas uh, after the, uh, the, the the World Cup in France, there was a massive boom in attendances massive interest um and that was i think partly well a big chunk of everyone getting sort of fired up by the world cup and then the idea of then getting to see that the u.s women's national team players play at home which i think was what really drove it whereas you, you wouldn't really have that in, in england um if you were if you're watching the world cup you were likely to have already gone to your wsl ground and and, and seen whoever so I don't think it's about sort of the names coming over that will appeal to to casual fans as much as it is, oh, that's my team, or oh, women's football, oh, I've got a local team, I'll, I'll check them out. And and maybe because, say, West Ham, the West Ham game this weekend has been uh, chosen for the, uh, the pilot scheme. Is it this weekend? Is it next? Ah. I can't, it's next weekend. Uh, I've been chosen for, for the, the pilot scheme. Yeah. So they will have um, a thousand fans in or up to whatever. Um, so it might be a case of people saying, I am desperate to watch football. Where can I watch? Oh, women's welfare. And that might might help. Um, but I, I don't think it's, oh, Tobin Heath can, well, well then I've got to get to a match. Yeah. It, it's it's more it's the other stuff. Yeah, because I know Lewis did the, the pilot last weekend. Um, for a hundred folk to come into a game. I think, in general, I am quite looking forward, as you say, to having some football to watch. Um, fortunately, not to go to. That still seems so far away at the moment. Um, but, um, yeah, um, I'll ask you one last question. Um, who is going to win the league this season? You just had to ask that, didn't you? Well, I cannot. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll give my pick as well, so then that way we'll both go down in flames together if it, if it happens. Uh, it's uh, Chelsea. Um you, you you can't do anything about about that attack. They just doesn't matter what else happens. They'll score goals and they will they they win games. I think it I think it has to be Chelsea. Um, and as you say, just those attacking options and the fact that even if two of them have a bad game, the other two can still blow a team away. Um, but I'm really excited. I'm really excited to see as well what the Scottish players do this season. I think hopefully a couple of them make some some big impacts. Um, but I think as the game gets bigger, it's going to be important that these Scottish players continue to step up. But for now, Sophie, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. It's really appreciated. Anytime. No, no problem at all. Um, and thank you very much for listening. Remember, if you want to drop a five-star review, that'd be awesome. Gets lots of people more interested into it. You can subscribe on all the usual channels. I could read them off, but I can't remember just now, so I won't bother. Um, but for now, thank you very much for listening. Stay safe. And we will speak again soon. It doesn't make me smile.